All right, you stupid son of a bitch. Let's give it a shot. scary girl hey everybody hi everyone i'm stephanie and i'm sarah and this is dead time stories Stories. a weekly podcast where we get together and talk about ghost stories true crimes paranormal supernatural or just generally weird eerie spoopy shit because it's our show and not yours weird surprise our show yeah get on it I don't Bam. know if you knew, but you don't host this show, stranger. <laughs> Chunt, or please. friend. Or whoever's listening. <laughs> first time first time listener, immediately turning this off. <laughs> first time listener, never time caller. Never time caller. Three Dead stars. Caller. They talk too much. Sarah, what are you up to? <laughs> um, You know, the usual Monday, like, anxiety and cry. And then record the podcast. Oh, classic. Classic. So, I mean, typical. Typical unemployment pandemic lifestyle that we're all in right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, get you. My anxiety days fall on Mondays because I'm still in that weird business schedule. Right. And you're like, Normal Monday mo- nine to five. the start of another week where I'm not working. I got where it. I'm not doing anything. Got it. Yeah, I yep. understand. That makes sense. Yep. That's where it hits. Hey, I mean, so. you let me know if you want to come work at my job because we are always hiring. <laughs> How many people have gotten COVID at your job? Um, two. Two but not, too many. Not at the job. None of them sure. have gotten it at the job. Um, and yes, two people since COVID has been happening. Two people at my job have been tested for COVID. Uh, have tested positive for COVID, I should say, because I got tested, but it was negative. I didn't have it. Um, and then we like shut everything down and wiped everything down. But one of those two people also hadn't, he was like on vacation and hadn't been to work in over a week when he got COVID. So like he definitely Mm. didn't get it at work. Hmm. Well, we'll see. I've also got, um, the pizza place Charlie works at. They're like, we need someone to answer the phones twice a week. And I'm like, I don't think I'm that desperate yet. I was going to say, I mean, I think we're better than the the pizza answering. I mean, no judgment on people who who that's their job. But I'm like, I think we can do a little better than that. But like the the, the kid who has the job right now or is leaving the job is leaving the job because he's starting college at Temple. I'm um, going to school. I'm almost 10 years out of college. Sure, sure. I don't really want to take that job. This December, I will be 10 years out of college. You'll be 10 years? Aww. I was a a fall graduate. Happy, um, happy decade of (laughs) anniversary. Yeah, thanks. At least you paid off your student loans. I'm going to be 10 years out of college, and I haven't even made a dent. Mm. I don't give a fuck about them. Come and get me. I don't care. Well, yeah, I did pay off my loans. I went to community college for two years and then went to public school in state uh and yeah i've managed to pay off my college loans i lived with sarah at the time and then a month after paying off my college loans my car died and i had to buy a new car that's true but and i had no money saved up for a down payment so it was all it was all in debt from there but at least you don't have a car payment and a student loan payment it's true i don't have both <laughs> That's ac- that's an accurate statement. I don't have both. I technically have both, but ask me the last time I paid on my student loan. I also made I don't know. less than 40K in a major city. So 
You know, we don't have to go into all that. We don't have to we go don't. into all We're that. all broke. Pay, pay your essential workers. Pay everyone more. Everyone, period. The minimum wage if is too dang low. If you live in the Philadelphia area you and you need some work, if you are over 21, have a driver's license, and can work uh, out of a place called Fullcroft, which is near the airport, hit a bitch up. Um, I'll get you a job. <laughs> Stephanie's got it. We are literally don't. always hiring. I'm not going to talk about where I work here on the podcast. No. Because it's unrelated. But, like, you know, you need a job in the Philly area and you're over 21 and have a have a license, like, hit a bitch up. Yeah. So, anyways, there's our little bit about uh, not having work or having work and it just not paying enough. And then we have this podcast. And then we have this podcast that doesn't pay enough either. But we enjoy the podcast. Keep it afloat. The podcast is a labor of love. <laughs> It is a labor of love. Yes, it is. But you know what? Maybe all we need is that one famous guest to put us on the map and blow up our listeners. He's famous to me. I swear to God, if he actually comes on the show and I see him through Skype on my computer, I will probably cry. You might cry. Yeah, I know. I definitely. (laughs) I had this daydream where I was like, what if he agrees to be on the show and then we open up Skype and it's all three of them? Oh my God, get out. Yeah, we're trying to arrange for like a a guest, you guys, who's like from another show that we really like, but... We've already talked about it. We're trying to get Chunt from Hello from the Magic Tavern. Oh, did we say who it was? Yes, we did. Yeah, we're trying to get Chunt from Magic Tavern. That's what it is. Are you there, Adol? It's us. Dead Time Stories. Dead Time Stories. (laughs) We just got our period. Please come on our show. <laughs> we have a lot of feelings. That's what that book is about. I know, right? Isn't it? I've never. Read I don't it. know. <laughs> I thought it was all about puberty and coming of age and dealing with sexual frustrations. So, I, which is chunt. Speaking of all of those things, I have one more bit of banter before we move into like our show. Um, which is this just, isn't the show. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, you know what I mean. Get out. Um. So I, you know, I'm trying to develop all these, like, good habits lately, and I want to start, like, reading again, because I haven't really read in a long time. I just read, like, you know, Facebook, and it's all bullshit. Ugh, and, and I want to die. Right. So I have a Kindle, and my sister and I use the same Amazon account so that when we buy books, it's, like, one big collection that we share, so we both have all of each other's books. And she has this book series. It's been on my Kindle, like, in the library for years because my sister wrote it and I've never read it. Cause I'm like, this looks so fucking ridiculous. And it's called, there's a few of them and it's called enchanted and it's like erotic bedtime stories. What? Yes. And what I mean is it's like, it's, isn't that the movie with Anne Hathaway? No, 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 no. Um, and you're thinking of Amy Adams or Ella Enchanted. It, regular Enchanted was Amy Adams. Ella Enchanted was Cinderella. But Oh, but that fun. was the one with Anne Hathaway. With Anne Hathaway okay. Yes, and I love that one. No. Oh, yeah. It's got Carrie Elways. Yes. It's a great movie. It it's a great totally movie. underrated. You've never seen Ella Enchanted. It is severely Get underrated. Get on it. It's good. It is. So, um, no, it is like different fairy tales, but like made into porn. So last night, I only read one. I read the first one, and I was, like, kind of laughing. Did you get all hot and And I kept waiting for Val to be like, what? Like, what are you reading? But Val knew I was reading something, but it was... So it was um, Beauty and the Beast, but porn. And 
It was like Beauty and the Bestiality. I was gonna say it bordered on bestiality. Like Whoa. she was talking about his giant purple dick and how oh, it was like no, shaped like an animal dick. And how he Stop. was, like, a lion from the waist down, so he had, like, a big purple, like, monster animal penis. And oh I was God. like, I don't know how I feel about this. I, and then I'm she, uncomfortable. He asked her every night to marry him, and every night she was like, nah, but, like, keep giving me that purple monster dick. And then one night she was like, yeah, I'll marry you. And then, boom, he was a prince again. And she's like, I do kind of miss that monster dick. I though. want that monster the dick. End. Oh no! So he changed into a prince, and it went back to like a normal, boring, a, a normal dick, penis. a normal human per <laughs> a human person dick, like a dick that if it was purple, you would be like, you should go see a doctor, right? If it were on a human, now on I a imagine, human, it, right? Like it was like this weird, you know, animal dick. Huh. Anyway, that's what I'm There's reading. There's your fetish five. <laughs> <laughs> Bring um, it back. All right, you ready to get into it, I guess? Let's, you know what, on that purple dick note, let's, let's get into it. Yeah. Sarah. Let's thrust right into it. Stephanie. Leslie. Leslie. Y'all ready, ready to, to talk, talk about, about some, some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? I know, I always want to add this at all. Little we need noise. another sound bite there, though, so. So, did you decide you wanted me to go first? Because mine yeah. was like. you take the heavy. We're going to do, we're going to go heavy today, and then we'll, like, and tone it back. And then we're going to lighten it up at the end. Yes. Um, Sarah says that that's what we used to do. I don't think that's true. I think we used to start light and move heavy, because I feel like. Christina commented on it one time where she's like, I like it because it's like you ease into it. See, I feel like I have another You don't just hit person. him with that purple dick. Like, you gotta... You don't just, you, like, slap that purple dick in their face. You gotta, like, tap it on the back of their neck first. I, and I feel like I had a friend when we first started doing this who said the opposite, who was like, I like how you guys, like, hit it heavy and then you lighten it up at the end. So, who knows? Everybody's... Everybody's full of shit. We're, we're all backwards. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. But you as the listener should have known to start back at the beginning and tell us what you think. Start episode one and tell us I what I told Charlie that today. Remember. He was talking about it. And he told me he went back and listened to like the first episode. But then he goes and listens to our recent episodes. And I was like, have you listened to old episodes yet? And he was like, well, like, yeah, kind of. I love he's like in trouble. <laughs> he wasn't in trouble. But I'm pretty sure I told him at lunch today. I was like, how many times do I have to say start at the beginning? You were like, Charlie, you want this purple dick? You better start at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> And he was You're like, because like, here's right, what it is. I'll start at the beginning. He's like, I do. So, <laughs> so I'm going to go first. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to drop the mood immediately by letting you know that this is a pretty violent uh, crime that I'm going to be describing Let's today. Let's go. Uh, and, you know, we tend to talk about things, try to be, you know, in a way that's lighthearted yes. and we try to lighten it up. But this is like, you know, it's pretty fucked up. So. It's called Dead Time <laughs> Stories for a reason, not Nighty Night Sweet Dream Stories. So, this is referred to as the Hinterkaifeck Murders. <gasps> I know this one. You do? Yeah, let me cross it off my list. Okay. So. It's fucked up. It's fucked up, Keep right? Keep going. 
So, Hinterkaifeck was a small farmstead which was situated between the Bavarian towns of Ingolstadt and Schrobenhausen, which are approximately 70 kilometers north of Munich. And it's become the infamous... It's become infamous because of a scene of the most gruesome and puzzling unsolved crimes in German history. Yeah, that's so, what's crazy is it's still unsolved. It's still unsolved. So this happened on the evening of March 31st, which is my brother's birthday, 1922. So this was almost 100 years ago, um, but not quite. So the six inhabitants of the farm were killed with a mattock, which is similar to like a... Um, like an ice pick but it's not really like a pick it's like the you know like the weird flattened part on the back of like a like an ice pick yeah it's like that on both sides where it's like flat this way and then a flat like yeah flipped the other way yeah right? don't people use it for like climbing um why do i think i imagine that is like something that people would like because the kind with the point on the end they do use that for like um that's like a a pickaxe for climbing but a mattock is more used for like tilling the ground and like um because it's a blunt object it isn't really sharp yeah uh but that is what was used to kill the six victims who were andreas gruber kazelia gruber which there are two kazelias kazelia one is the grandmother. The second Kazelia is the daughter. So there's like a husband and wife and like his parents um, and like the kids as well. So Andreas Gruber, who was 63, Kazelia Gruber, 72, their widowed daughter, or sorry, they were the parents of the mother. So their widowed daughter, Victoria Gabriel, Victoria's children, Kazelia, who was seven as opposed to Kazelia, who was 72 and Joseph, who was two, as well as the maid Maria Baumgartner. So that's a lot of people. And Hans Gruber lived to tell another day because he had to rob that. Because he was the bad guy. Bruce Willis had to take him down. Die hard. So Hans Gruber did die, but like many years later. You can't say Gruber without expecting me to go there, especially after that Bob's Burgers episode. Oh, I thought you were going to say, especially after you were in the live reading of... Oh, that too. (laughs) I didn't play Hans Gruber, but I played the other bad guy and the wife. Right, and you were... Weren't you the wife? I was the wife. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It was so silly. Anyways, back to the Grubers who died horribly. So, it was built in 1863, Hinterkaifeck, which is part of many German place names. Uh, It means behind... uh, Hinter uh, is, like, in a lot of German names, and then... The other part, sorry, Kaifek. <laughs> um, it means uh, it means behind. So I don't know who's behind, but you know somebody's. We don't know who's behind these murders either. So it was never an official place, uh, a place name, or nor a separate district a district with this name, but only an unofficial house name. Like everybody knew where you were talking about when you were talking about Hinter Kaifek. Gotcha. Nearby Kaifek, right, because it's behind Kaifek, is an Einhof, or a single farm settlement, located just over a kilometer to the south of the murder farm, as some people call it, on the municipal road of Schrobenhausen. The farm, however, did not belong to Kaifek, but to the village of Groben as house number 27 and a half of the municipality of Wangen, and was incorporated in Weinhofen in 1971. Less than a year after the murders and after the murder investigation, the farm was completely demolished. 
and revealing additional evidence, the mattock hidden in the attic and a pen knife in the hay barn since then. The site has hosted no structure apart from a memorial shrine, and today, the former land of Hinterkaifeck is an open agricultural area. Yeah, might as well not build anything else on that land with all that bad juju. Right, because it's probably cursed. It's got, if not, it missed a an opportunity. Not a good opportunity, but an opportunity. So there are a few things to know about before the murders themselves took place. So strange things began to occur around Hinterkaifeck sometime shortly before the attack. Six months before the murder happened, the family maid quit. It had been widely claimed that her reason for leaving was that she heard strange noises in the attic and she believed the house to be haunted. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, um, yeah, this whole story. Oh my but God. there's nothing about that in her statements to the police after the murder. Andreas Gruber found a strange newspaper from Munich on the property in March of 1922. So like in that month. He could not remember buying it, and thus Gruber initially believed that the postman had lost the newspaper. This was not the case, however, as no one in the vicinity was subscribed to that specific newspaper. Okay. It was just on the property. This, uh, just days before the murders, Gruber told neighbors that he discovered tracks in the fresh snow that led from the forest to a broken door lock in the farm's machine room. While this alone was not unsettling, it was the fact that the tracks did not lead away from the house again that that unnerved him. Yeah, all of that is unsettling. Around the same time, some of the family's house keys went missing. Bitch! Later, during the night, they heard footsteps in the attic, but Gruber found no one when he searched the building. Although he told several people about these alleged observations, he refused to accept help and details went unreported to the police. According to a school friend of the seven-year-old Cazelia Gabriel, the young girl reported that her mother, Victoria, had fled the farm the night before the act after a violent quarrel and only hours later had been found in the forest. The family also repeatedly observed a man with a mustache standing at the forest edge staring toward the house, apparently observing them. And none of this is enough to raise suspicions to be like, maybe we should like get the cops involved. But the dad is like, no, I I can handle this. Yeah. Well, we see how well he handled it. (sighs) On the afternoon of March 31st, 1922, a Friday, the new maid, Maria Baumgartner, arrived at the farm. Maria's sister had escorted her there and left the farm after a short day. She was most likely the last person to see any of the inhabitants alive. It appeared that in the late evening, Victoria Gabriel, her seven-year-old daughter, Cazelia, and her parents, Andreas and Cazelia, were lured to the family barn through the stable, one by one, where each of them were murdered. They were bludgeoned to death, right? The perpetrator or perpetrators used the mattock, the tool I was talking about earlier, belonging to the family farm, and killed the family members with blows to the head. The perpetrator moved into the living quarters where, with the same murder weapon, he killed Joseph, the sleeping two-year-old baby, in his bassinet, and Maria Baumgartner Mm. in her bedchamber. Oh, she just started. (laughs) Oh, God. So did the baby! Well, the baby, you know. He just started his life. Started his life. He doesn't know any different. It reminds me of the story I told two weeks ago about the um, the woman who moved into the house the day before, and the next day all three of them were killed. Gosh. 
course, she probably brought that on herself, but. Here's one of the other really awful things. So the bodies weren't discovered for about four days. They sat in the barn. So remember, the murders all happened on March 31st, which is the last day of March, right? Mm -hmm. On April 1st, so the next day, coffee sellers Hans Shirovsky and Edward Shirovsky arrived in Hinterkaifeck to place an order. When no one responded to the knocks on the door and the window, they walked around the yard but found no one. They only noticed that the gate to the machine house was open before they decided to leave. Kazelia Gabriel was absent without excuse for the next few days from school, and the family failed to show up to Sunday worship. On Monday, April 3rd, the postman, Joseph Mayer, was delivering the mail at Hinterkaifeck when he noticed that Saturday's mail was still there where he had left it and that no one had been in the yard. Oh, no. Assembler Albert Hoffner went to Hinterkaifeck on April 4th to repair the engine of the food chopper. He stated that he had not seen any of the family and had heard nothing but the sounds of the farm animals and the dog inside the barn. After waiting for an hour, he decided to start his repair, which he completed in roughly four and a half hours. In Groburn, around 2.30 p.m., he met the daughters of the village guide, Loren Schiltenbauer, and told them that the repairs in Hinterkaifeck were done. Hoffner also told George Greger, the mayor of Wangen, about the ghostly emptiness of Hinterkaifeck. Around 3.30 p.m., Schiltenbauer and his son Johann, 16, and stepson Joseph, 9, uh, he sent them to Hinterkaifeck to see if they could make contact with the family. When they reported they did not see anyone, Schiltenbauer headed to the farm the same day with Michael Pohl and Jacob Siegel. Entering the barn, they found the bodies of Andreas Gruber, oh. his wife Cazelia Gruber, his daughter Victoria Gra- uh, Gabriel, and his granddaughter Cazelia murdered in the barn. Shortly after, they found the chambermaid, Maria Baumgartner, and the youngest family member, Victoria's son, Joseph, murdered in the house. Inspector George Ryan Gruber and his colleagues from the Munich Police Department investigated the killings. Initial investigations were hampered by the number of people who had interacted with the crime scene, moved bodies and items around, and even cooked and ate meals in the kitchen. The day after the discovery of the bodies, court physician Johann Baptist Amuller performed the autopsies in the barn. Wow. It was established that a mattock was the most likely murder weapon, though the weapon itself was not in the scene. They couldn't find it yeah. at that time. Evidence showed that the younger Cazelia had been alive for several hours after the assault. So she just laid there? She laid there and she... And this is a thing that I... A lot of kids do this in times of stress. She, like, ripped out her hair. Yeah. Like, while she was laying in the straw, she, like, pulled out tufts of her own hair. Yeah. The skulls of the victims were removed and sent to Munich, where they were further examined. The heads were last kept in a justice building in in Augsburg and were later lost, possibly destroyed in the Allied bombings in World War II. Wow. On Saturday, April 8th, the victims were buried in Wadehofen Cemetery. The police first suspected the motive to be a robbery, and they interrogating traveling craftsmen, vagrants, and several inhabitants from the surrounding villages. When a large amount of money was found in the house, they abandoned this theory. It was clear the perpetrators had remained, perpetrator or perpetrators, had remained at the farm for several days. Mm-hmm. Someone had fed the cattle eaten the entire supply of bread from the kitchen, and had recently cut meat from the pantry. 
It was also possible that the perpetrator remained on site for a few days after the bodies were discovered. Neighbors also reported smoke coming from the chimney all weekend long. Yep. The perpetrator would have easily found the money if robbery had been the intention, but as it was, the money remained untouched. With no clear motive to be gleaned from the crime scene, the police began to formulate a list of suspects. Despite repeated arrests, no murderer has ever been found, and the files were closed in 1955. Nevertheless, the last interrogations took place in 1986, when criminal commissioner Conrad Mueller retired. In all, more than 100 suspects have been questioned throughout the years, but none of the questioning ever yielded any conclusive results. It's so crazy every time I read and I hear about this story because they, whoever the murderer was, like you said, they were hidden in the house for days Days. before they killed them. And then they led them one by one out to the barn. Why, why would they follow this person? I've read, I've listened to theories where they're like, maybe it's someone they know. I don't even think about it like that. I feel like somebody was outside and they would kind of make noises in the barn, like just kind of like a whistle or, you know what I mean? Like to draw them out. Enough that somebody would be like, what is that? And then they would go into the barn and get killed. But I just think even the seven year old, it makes you wonder if it was someone that maybe they did know, which is also why they didn't steal the money because this was like a personal vendetta or was this... Because, unfortunately, this isn't the first time you'll hear of a murder case where someone goes in, kills all the inhabitants, and then lives in their home for a few days after they've murdered them. Yeah. So it's like, is this just a vagrant passing through? And, like, this is their thing? It's all so creepy. And just the thought of being in your home and knowing that there is someone else in your home that you don't know is there that's watching you is terrifying. Yeah. It's so scary. There is one thing I wanted to bring up that I didn't look into too deeply. It was just kind of like a last thing that I came across. I was like, huh, which there is a book called The Man from the Train. And in it, the author, Bill James, alleges that there's a man named Paul Mueller who may have been responsible for the murders. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find a ton on Paul Mueller, but I was interested in this and you'll understand why in just a minute. Because the murder bears some similarities to his crimes in the United States including the slaughter of an entire family in their isolated home, use of a blunt edge of farm tool or a weapon, a pickaxe, and the apparent absence of a robbery as motive. The, auth- the authors suspect that Mueller was described as a German immigrant in contemporary media, might have departed the U.S. for his homeland after private investigators and journalists began to notice and publicize patterns in family murders across state lines following the brazen 1912 murder of two families in a single night in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and a similar family murder weeks afterward, 100 miles away in neighboring Kansas. They also suspect that he is responsible for the Velisca axe murders, Mm. which I talked about in episode three, which are This is very similar to that in the sense of, like, someone was hiding out in the attic, is the theory. Someone was hiding out in the... The call was coming from inside the house, and and attacked them. So they theorized that this person was also responsible for those murders and that while he was being 
basically pursued for his murders in the United States, that he fled back to to his home country of Germany, and that he's also the person who killed these people. It is interesting because they all have the same, like, M.O., all the murders. It would be crazy to attribute these, like, the Villisca Villisca house murders and the Hinterkaifak murders are very well known. Right. It's so hard to believe that one bastard could have done both of them. It's it's pretty crazy. And, like, I don't know. I also, <laughs> I know people, like, tra- traveled back then. But I'm like, how could he get from the U.S. to Germany in 1920? And I'm like, well, bitch, oh, he boy, got jumped to- on a ship. Right. They had, you know, they did that. And Easy. also, he... He came to the U.S. from Germany, so he could go back. It's Why not? not? Like he had what we have, which is a tracking device on us all day, every day. Right. Like, that was back when you really could go off the grid. Yeah. So. That one's yeah. crazy. And there's, like, pictures online of the bodies piled in the straw that you can see of them found it, like, them in the barn. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. It also, the fact that, like, the smoke is coming from the chimney and they sat there for days reminds me of the other story you did of the dad who, sing, like, one by one murdered his family, put them in mm-hmm. the ballroom, and, like, left the house and no one went to check it for, like, a week days. or something. Yeah. yeah. God. <sighs> and then that guy just went and started a new life somewhere else. A whole new life. He was like, scratch this one. I sent them to heaven. I'm going to start anew. <laughs> Word is like, do you want to save your document? He's like, nah. <laughs> He's like, no thanks, Clippy. No thanks. Yeah, it was like Clippy pops up. Do you want to save your work? He's like, no, nah, like, I want to start over. Clippy too. He's like, Clippy. Clippy <laughs> murdered. Hoof. <laughs> All right. So, yep, yeah, that's, that's a lot of murder. Went. It's a lot of murder. Yeah. But if you look up, like Paul Mueller, serial killer. Um, now, mind you, it's because there was a book where somebody alleged that he was tied to those. It brings up other articles. That's weird. I like, I've never heard. I was like, crazy. that's something I'm because I've never heard of that person. Yeah. Or so the, the fact that he um, might be tied to all of these. Yeah. The book is called uh, The Man from the Train. And uh, it's written by uh, Bill James, and I think his wife helped write it, too. And the Jameses claim to have discovered through analysis of contemporary records the existence and identity of a serial killer, Paul Mueller, who operated throughout North America in the early 20th century, killing between 40 and 100 people. Wow. That's crazy, girl. So that's what I got. Woof. Well, on that note, before we lighten it up a little bit, we have a promo this week. Do it, bitch. We do. Um, our friend Augie Peterson, she's done a few different podcasts we featured on here. She's got a brand new project that will be going live on the 4th, which is Tuesday. By the time this comes out on Thursday, it'll have come out on Tuesday. So... Yeah. By the time you listen to our we promo, were asked not to play this before her show comes out. But exactly. It came out, by the time this comes out, it came out two days ago. It'll be out. So if you like her promo, go over, listen to her show. It'll be live now. So take a listen. Hey, folks. This is Augie Peterson. You might know me from my short horror fiction on the Grey Rooms in Aphotic Realm magazine or from my podcast, The Short Stories of Augie Peterson. Today I'm here to tell you about a new audio drama I'm writing, editing, producing, and starring in. Linda Listens. Excuse me? Oh, hey Linda. I I thought you had a nail appointment today. Well, I was about to when I happened to hear some misinformation come out of that pretty little mouth of yours. What do you mean, your 
podcast. <laughs> well, I I wrote it, so it's mine. Is my name not Linda? Am I not listening to the problems my Twitter followers send me and doing my best to answer their questions and solve their problems? It's my show, hun. You better get that straight the next time you go talking into that fancy-dancy microphone you got there. Sorry about that, folks. Linda Listens is the tale of Linda, a middle-aged woman in search of meaning after the tragic death of her family. Once she meets her raucous neighbor, the meaning she finds may be more sinister than she'd hoped for. What the hell are you talking about? What sinister meaning? <sighs> Linda. <laughs> what do you know that I don't? And how you get to know before me what's going to happen on my show. You are a fictional character. You can't own a podcast. It's my show. I wrote it. Fictional. Fictional. Oh, I'll show you. Fictional. Ow. 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 Linda. Ah. Ow. 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 <laughs> Thanks for sending that over. Yeah. We love supporting out, our other her new project. Our other podcast friends. Podcast. Get the fuck out. <laughs> of course I'm gonna make it potty humor. Sarah, what are you talking about this blah, week? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so the first thing I wanted to talk about, I mentioned to you, I was like, it could be banter, but I think I want to make it part of like what I'm talking about. And then I'm gonna round off with a personal haunted house story from someone on Reddit. Because, you know, I love stacking those up and I've got a really good one. But first, I want to talk about something that's been happening to me. And I feel like a lot of people have been dealing with this in the pandemic, or at least I'm hoping so and that I'm not the only one. I have been having the weirdest, most vivid fucking dreams. Like, so weird. Lately, they've been scary. Just so like some of the most vivid dreams I've had in years and I don't know if it's anxiety or if it's I don't even know because normally people are like if you smoke weed and you drink like you don't really dream and I dream like crazy and I had a dream last night and you drink and smoke weed and so. I drink and smoke weed and I haven't <laughs> necessarily like pulled that back at all during the pandemic or anything so I don't know what this is But I've been having a few dreams where my dream monster is a zombie for whatever reason. And I've had a few dreams where I've been like locked in a house or locked somewhere with like you or Charlie or a few of our friends and like zombies are around and we have to get out. But last night I had a dream that was so vivid and I woke up at like 6 a.m. and I was like in and out of like sleep and awake, but just remembering this dream. And so I'm going to tell you what the dream is. And I know you've read a little bit on dreams. Maybe you can tell me what it means. <laughs> Uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> because I don't know. And it kind of scared me. So <clears throat> here's the dream. And Charlie's in it. And I told him he was going to be on the episode. But I didn't tell him what the dream was. I told him he had to listen. So I had a dream that we were 
for whatever reason, it, you know, the um, location will shift throughout the dream. But in the beginning, we're in a hotel. Was David Spade there? No, don't worry. Don't worry. There's no David Spade. There's no double-headed penis. I promise. If you're new to the show, I couldn't even <laughs> tell you what episode we talked about that. It's been brought up multiple, multiple times. Multiple times. Just like the multiple heads on that penis. I had a weird dream with David Spade and he had a two-headed penis. Like, that's all we're going to go into right now because we're listening to Sarah's dream. That's all we needed to know. I mean, that in and of itself is scary. That's girl. most of the dream right there. That's most it was just of it. a two-headed penis. Um, so we're in a hotel and I remember us like walking down the hall. I want to say we're at the hotel for some convention, but we're there. We're walking down the hall and I noticed that like the room that our room, the floor that our room is on, like all the other rooms are kind of like open and disheveled. But for whatever reason, like I don't notice it. We go in the room and we go to bed and I'm laying in the bed. Charlie's next to me and like we're falling asleep and then these lights right across from me, almost like the kind of touch lights that go underneath something, right? But they were motion censored. Somehow I knew this in my dream. They were motion censored lights. So I'm starting to fall asleep. And then out of nowhere, these lights flash on. And you know that something has to have walked by for them to come on. Exactly. Right? And so in my dream, I'm like, fuck. And again, in the moment, You're already like, freaking out. this feels real. And yeah. so in my dream, I'm like, keep your eyes closed. Like, no matter what, don't open your eyes. Like, there might be something there, but you don't want to fucking see it. And so I keep my eyes closed. And I remember, like, you know, backing up into Charlie a little bit and then noticing through my eyes, like, being closed that, like, the light is on, but it's, like, kind of flickering. And so I remember, like, rolling over to, like, face Charlie and he's not there. And I roll back over again and he's, like, staring at me from the side of the bed. <laughs> but like asleep but like there right like right in my face and i wake him up and he's like <laughs> and he goes and lays back down again and then i notice that the lights right before they go off they have a red ring around the outside and that goes off and then the lights go off and everything is dark again so i'm like okay this should be fine charlie's next to me i back up and then i notice Eyes are closed that the lights turn on again and then Charlie's gone again. And then I open my eyes and he is standing on the bed at the foot of the bed, not standing at the, but on the bed at the foot of the bed, just looking down at me. Oh, Sarah. It was terrifying. And so I'm like, oh my God, babe, babe, babe. And so I get up and I like push him off the bed and he's like in this weird trance and I like shake him. And as I'm shaking him and he's coming out of it, I start hearing this. I'm not kidding. These weird whispers. So I grab him and I was like, we have to go. We have to go. And we run out of the hotel room. And that's when we again notice that all the other rooms are like open and disheveled on our floor, like our hallway. And all of them have that weird whispering. Coming out of them. And I was like, we got to go. We are in danger. I was like, we have to go. And so we run out. 
And then that's where it gets weird again. And like at that point. Oh, that's where it gets weird? Well, that's when it like kind of changes scenery. And like we're no longer in a hotel room. But now we're on like a campus ground. And so to get out of the building, we had to go through a garage. And then once we were fully out of the building, we couldn't get back in again. So then we had to walk around and like found someone else. And they like took us through a back entrance to where we had to climb up this narrow staircase. And then fit through this tiny window and join another group of people who are already walking around. Stephanie, it was so weird and so unsettling. And I woke up with that just replaying the part of me waking up with Charlie in my face, but like glazed over eyes, like not awake and then falling asleep again and then waking up with him standing at the foot of the bed looking down at me. And then the whispers. <laughs> Terrifying. I don't know what it means. I know if I have a dream about my teeth falling out, that means something. What does this mean? And don't tell me it means stop drinking. So, because that's not going to happen. <laughs> it means stop smoking weed before bed. No. no. <laughs> So that's my personal, like, scary fucking dream that I had last night that's been just playing over and over in my head all day today because I was like, number one, as soon as it happened, you know, I woke up and I was kind of coherent and I was like, that's really weird. I was like, damn, I should talk about this on the show. So after I had that thought, I was like, keep remembering it, Sarah. Like, don't forget the dream so you can tell it on the show. Are you familiar? Have you read at all on Reddit about the back rooms? That so that sounds familiar. Something I thought about um, doing today, but I really couldn't find enough information on it to make it like worthy. But I'll bring it up because I thought that's kind of where you're going with your weird dream. But um, someone, <laughs> someone brought it up to me because of a post I put on Val's Facebook where it was all these rooms that are like, they're just off. Like, every these rooms just make you uncomfortable because, like, they just don't look right. Yeah. Um, and somebody was like, oh, the back rooms. And I was like, the back rooms? What is this? So it reminded me a little bit of the elevator game where a lot of it is, like, people are clearly practicing, like, their writing where they're talking about their experience in yes. the back rooms yeah. or whatever or in the elevator game. But there are some pictures that make you be like, oh, I hate this. So, the back rooms are, like, this sideways dimension, right, that you accidentally fall into by going through a quote-unquote no-clip, which I imagine is, like, a glitch in the Matrix. Like, it's a 404 file not found in yeah. reality, right, okay. where there was supposed to be some ground there, and there wasn't ground, and you fell through a no-clip, and now you're in the back rooms. Okay? Okay. Right. And the way that they're described is that, like, the feeling in them is just really unsettling. The, all, the sound, like, it's really quiet, but you hear, like, the buzz of fluorescent lighting. Oh, yes. Right. Yes. The rooms, like, the wallpaper and the carpet are, like, similar in color, and it's, like, a, like a tan, like, uninviting. And they're, like, the picture, if you, like, Google back rooms, the picture that'll come up a lot is, it's, like, you can see that, like, you're coming around a corner, and then there's another corner at the end of the room, like a hall kind of corner, but you don't really see a door, 
And the idea is that the back rooms are all connected and they're unending. Like, they're just these oh. weird rooms. And you're like, am I going to go around this corner and see somebody? Is somebody coming? But you don't ever see anyone in the back rooms. Right. And then I told you about the buzz of the fluorescent lights, then the smell. And I was like, oh, I hate this. The smell in the back rooms is that, like, mildewy, like, wet carpet smell. No. No. Yes. And so then when you were describing your dream, I kind of imagined that, like, the hotel with all these other rooms That's what it would have smelled like. It was, like, the back rooms. And I was like, oh, my God. It might have been. I don't know. I honestly, like, don't know where this dream came from. Right. Like, no clue. And it was... It was terrifying. Yeah. And it would in also in just like such an unsettling way. Cause I remember in the dream thinking like when I saw the light flash on, close your eyes, whatever is like, you don't want to see, see it. Just close. And that's how I feel about like sleep paralysis or anytime I'm feeling weird about a room. I'm like, close my eyes. I just don't want to see it. Yeah. And then I open them and it's fucking Charlie <laughs> standing there like, um, from, uh, paranormal activity. Just, like, standing there, like, staring at me. Oh, my God. That's fucking creepy. It was so scary. So I was like, I have to talk about this on the podcast. And now we're getting late, so I think I'm going to skip my other haunted house story because, honestly, it's not as good as this. (laughs) And Sarah has places to be. Yeah, I was like, speaking of, you know, Charlie, uh, we have dinner. That's fair enough, yeah. And I was like, I gotta do my chores. (laughs) I'm also like, listeners, if you guys are into dream stuff... Tell me shit or the back room. Tell me what this means about the back rooms. Reach out to us. Tell us what it means. I know I have anxiety, but like my relationship is good. So why is he hovering over me while I'm sleeping? (laughs) Regret. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. If you want to answer any of Sarah's questions, you can do that by emailing us at dead time stories. With a Z, all one word, at gmail.com. The best way to support our co- our, our podcast. Yeah, the best our way compost. That's what this show to support is. Compost. Our podcast is by subscribing to our Patreon. We have $1, $5, and $15 tiers. And of course, you can buy merch at our website, deadtimestories.com. That is an amazing way to support the podcast. But we also know it's some trying times, and not everybody has the finances to support us that way. So the best awesome most incredible free way that you can support us is by leaving us a five-star review on itunes and then if you screenshot that review and send it to us we'll send you a sticker i promise we will we will we'll do it do it you won't i dare you (laughs) yeah that's it that's it thank you guys for listening on social media (laughs) thanks for listening to our show love us love our podcast tell me what my dream magic tavern and email chunt and tell him to come be on our show yes okay so you guys we really want to make this happen i stephanie introduced me to magic tavern and i am obsessed it's my favorite show so if you want to help us get chunt aka adel refai aka maybe all three of them i'm just is gonna it put it out chunt there with six t's at gmail.com it's chunt with six t's at gmail.com email it. chunt and tell chunt to be on dead time stories <laughs> i love it so much we're gonna get our four followers to spam his email <laughs> Fingers crossed, everybody. I was thinking, I was like, oh my God, if I listened to a Magic Tavern episode and they just like slipped in a Dead Time Stories reference, I would shit my pants. I would die. And then that'd be the end of our podcast because I'd be dead. You know what, though? 
We have said so many things on this podcast that have come to fruition. So I'm I not know, putting so it past us. It. We're trying it. Yeah, we're trying we're it. Why it. not? Let's give this, it a shot. This show is, it should be called Manifestation Stories. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> then it wouldn't be the same, but we're like, dead time Manifestation Stories. <laughs> I love it. All right, everybody. So, I think that's it. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we'll see you next week. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 